Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What is going on, Blade Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Angel, here in the FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues. And it is the second round of the WNBA playoffs, which means it's time to check back in with our special substitute guest teacher of sorts. K.K. K.K. helps us out with all things WNBA. So without further ado, let's jump on in. All right. We are joined again by he's becoming our WNBA expert. Uh, K.K. K.K. How are we doing, man? <laughs> hey, what's going on? Listen, um, I'm, I'm glad to be back on again. I mean, it's always great to talk about uh, WNBA basketball. So you know, let's get right into it. I'm so excited to get, you know, to get started and, you know, again, excited to be on. For sure. Uh, so again, right into it, we're going to keep with the Sparknote scene we had last time and kind of give a quick overview. Since since we last spoke, KDOT, there's been a handful of awards handed out, uh, regular season awards. And so let's start off with executive of the year. First off, uh, explain to us what you think the committee's logic was, talk through the winner and, and what what looked like it put them over the top. Yeah, so um, first things first, congratulations to James Wade, who did win executive executive of the year. And I think what the committee was looking for from an executive of the year standpoint is how did said executive, you know, improve their team um, for the better? And as incredible as James Wade has done as both a general manager and as a coach, um, he actually pulled a rabbit out of the hat by upgrading um, a position that everybody thought would have been a concern being that um, Candace Parker was getting a year older, um, a Stu Dufall was not going to be participating this year. And of course, the emergence of Azare Stevens, um, the, the biggest question there was, you know, could she be able to sustain, um, you know, the minutes of being a starter? But with Stephanie Dolson moving forward in free agency and going to the New York Liberty, you know, again, he pulls a rabbit out of out of the hat and ends up getting Emma Mieseman. And Emma Mieseman is a former um, finals MVP back in 2019 with the Washington Mystics. And she just brought an incredible array of versatility and um, and style uh, that actually fits James Way um, style of, uh, of play for the Chicago Sky, and he did an amazing job doing that. And not only bringing in Emma Mieseman, you know, he had a what we call a diamond in the rough in Rebecca Gardner this year, um, arguably a all uh, all WNBA defense, uh, you know, first team and a all rookie um, selection as well. So congratulations to her. Um, but 
that those were the two acquisitions that were very key and very important. And I think that's what took um, it over the hump for uh, James Wade to be executive of the year. Well, what's interesting is I felt like you almost could have argued he should have won it a year ago with Candace. Cause like, if you're bringing in a whale like Candace, how, how do you not win the award? They gave it to, you know, a very deserving uh, Dan Petover. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly in Las Vegas. Um, again, he did great, but Chicago brought in Candace. I know it's a regular season award, but that turned into them winning the title. Um, and so I, I like that this year, it's like a little bit retroactive, but also like you mentioned, he filled in like depth spots and brought in some, like, I think, I, you know, promoting Azra Stevens to a starter, having seen her in her early part of her career here in Dallas, like, I think they're seeing those kinds of things and seeing those kinds of lights in women uh, and filling those gaps has been interesting. He's certainly, uh, James Wade, that is, is not the only eye-opening award winner so far. Uh, I mentioned Vegas won this uh, executive of the year a year ago. They won coach of the year with Becky Hammond. I think people that are more in tune to the NBA side of things know her name, obviously, from her time in San Antonio. What about Becky Hammond, KDOT, made her a very clear cut, or at least to me, a clear cut uh, coach of the year winner? Yeah, I, and that was pretty obvious for Coach Becky Hammond. And again, congratulations to um, Becky Hammond for her to actually make an adjustment, a very important adjustment within the uh, middle of the season in bringing De'Erica Hamby back off the bench versus having her start for more than half of the year. Um, and after the All-Star break, that was very um, telling as to how she understood adjustment. And they had a slump where they were playing about 500 basketball, a little bit um, uh, sub 500 basketball during that stretch. And they were able to turn the ship after the All-Star break. And they ended up playing some pretty tough matchups um, their last like four or five games. They had Dallas. They had um, Seattle twice, and then they had Chicago, um, and they were able to win um, those games except for the uh, Dallas game. And that act, that actual Dallas game came off of a point-blank range um, miss layup by Asia Wilson. But still, um, you know, Becky Hammond was able to understand kind of like the adjustment because she knew that she didn't have the best uh, depth from a bench production standpoint. So um, for her to bring De'Erica Hamby in, you know, off the bench and try to spruce that bench up, it was it was great. And then she ends up losing uh, De'Erica Hamby to a knee injury and um, hopefully she'll be back, um, you know, sooner rather than later um, uh, with that knee injury. But one coach that I do wanna, you know, give some flowers to is Tanisha Wright of the uh, Atlanta dream. And ar you could argue that she also could have been considered uh coach of the year. Um, and that was keeping a 9450 codenamed WBB's choices. Um, I had coach Becky Hammond and Daniel Artes um, had coach Tanisha Wright. And we both believe that if coach Tanisha Wright in the Atlanta dream made the playoffs, um, it would have been more of an argument for her to win it um, because of that feat especially after everything that happened last year in Atlanta with, with the culture and um, she's come in and she's changed that culture a lot, but with coach Becky Hammond coming in and just adding on to what coach Bill Lambeer had done the year prior um, and unleash um, a, a potential MVP uh, candidate in, in Asia Wilson and allowing her to expand her game to shoot threes. I mean, she's shooting 
37.5% from three-point land on more than 70 attempts this year. In her first, you know, three or four years in the league, she's only taken two attempts. So imagine that type of change in trajectory of your of your game, um, you know, being unleashed by another coach um, that hadn't been seen by the coach prior. That has to give a lot of consideration. And anybody who understands basketball understands that when you expand your game to the three point line, I mean, that's that's just a, another uh, untapped potential type that you can have in your arsenal. So um, you got to give credit where credit is due. And again, congratulations to Becky Hammond. Yeah. And you're detailing exactly like in layperson terms, I think I tweeted something out about like, they just looked more modern. Like, like, like they had their big players out behind the three point line, the same way that like Seattle uses Stewie or Connecticut uses John Quell or whatever. Like they were putting Asia out behind the three point line to open up space to everything else. Um, you perfectly are segueing us though. You mentioned Tanisha Wright into rookie of the year. Um, Rookie of the year went to Ryan Howard. Uh, I, I don't think there was a whole lot of discussion there. Ryan Howard did star on a team with, as I count it, 10 players this season, under 25 years old, a very, very young team for the WNBA. And, and Ryan Howard was the you know young face of that franchise in many ways, right? Um, I think they just missed the playoffs. Otherwise, that might be a bigger story. Talk to us about the year Ryan Howard had and kind of contextualize what does that mean for people that maybe are just now tuning into the WNBA because it's playoff time and missed getting to watch her play? Yeah, so Ryan Howard, um, to me, when she was chosen number one overall, you know, I automatically kind of had this thing where, you know, hands down, she is going to be the best rookie that, we, that we're going to see this year. And she came out the gate firing. Um, and she actually um, holds the, the rookie record in three-point um makes uh this year um and in and i believe broke the record if i'm not mistaken um in three point um makes this year and she has just done a, an incredible job um you know just from an offensive standpoint and not only from an offensive standpoint but because she's such an overall type of player where she plays on both sides of, of the ball like she's done just an incredible job in doing that and leading her team that young team um, to just turning that franchise around. And one thing that I do want to give credit to is um, Melissa Smith and Shakira Austin, who both, you know, had incredible rookie years. Um, and one thing that um, interests me about those two is that because they were in the situations that we're in, of course, Melissa Smith, Indiana Fever, not many wins, um, but her numbers um, look just as good as Ryan Howard's, but the impact of winning definitely made the difference between Ryan and Melissa. And then with Shakira, um, she had a particular role to play and she was playing on a playoff ready team, um, a veteran team. And of course she wasn't going to get um, the amount of touches that you would, um, that you would have gotten if you were back at Ole Miss. And, <laughs> and I think that, you know, she will definitely improve on the offensive game, but she had been incredible um, defensively. But um, I say all of that to say that Ryan Howard, she was the clear cut favorite to win rookie of the year. She proved herself all year long. Now, I'll tell you something. When the scouting report has your name in capital letters and you're watching film and it's been 
typed in capital letters, then that means you are somebody in this league. And Ryan Howard had that happen to her this year. And she did an incredible job in weathering um, all of those storms that she that she had. And, you know, she's just an incredible player. And I can't wait to see her um, ascend um, in this league as well. So congratulations to Ryan Howard. Yeah, again, I mean, 16, four and a half and three, uh, 16 points, four and a half rebounds and three assists would be a normal, like maybe not all-star starter, but certainly an all-star like player type of season. And she's 21 years old, right? Like, Absolutely. like at the end of the day, like that's the clear cut rookie of the year. I don't mean to like denigrate anyone else's season. It's just, she stood out in a way like you're talking about with a target on her back, whether that's being the one overall pick being the, you know, high score for the dream being the kind of their engine on offense or whatever, like that's just a big load to shoulder um, that unfortunately didn't make the playoffs. But if you're tuning in and, you know, want to get the WNBA, it's a need to remember certainly for next summer, right? Uh, Ryan Howard is a tremendous young basketball player. <laughs> Meanwhile, I, I want to catch us up because last time we spoke, the WNBA playoffs were about to get started. I think we spoke like a, on another Sunday night and like the, the, it was tipping off on that Wednesday and the first round came and, Frankly, you and I were trying to pick what, you know, upsets would happen and it went kind of chalk. <laughs> now, I don't mean there wasn't any excitement, um, but walk us through, KDOT. I mean, you watch every game, every minute. Uh, what was happening in that first round? What things stuck out in your mind as like things that made those top teams move forward? Yeah, so what stuck out to me was the probably some of the most talked about was the Chicago Sky Liberty series where the Liberty came in in game one and actually stole that game. Um, they went on a 13-0 run with three minutes and 31 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Um, and that started off with an incredible Marine Johannes, no look <laughs> over the shoulder pass to Natasha Howard. And everybody was like, that just happened. And once that happened, that's when the run started and um, New York got a win um, and they were able to get a game at Barclays. Now, that was considered a wake up call for Coach James Wade and the Chicago Sky. And they went on ahead and took care of business in the next two games. Um, the next uh, series that I would like to talk about is the Connecticut Sun and Dallas Wings series, where in game one, we thought that it, after game one of that series, it was going to be a sweep. Dallas did not show up. They didn't come to play. And then long behold, game two, they come out 30 point uh, margin in the first kind of like the first half. And, you know, they were clicking on all cylinders and we turned around and said, oh, wow, this might be, again, one of those watch out type um, upsets. And that <laughs> going into game three, so they have that big win and going into game three, there's like rumors or is coming back. And like, I, right. I, I'm living here in Dallas, there was like this, like, Oh, wait a second. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Because and that, that takes nothing away from Arike because she's such an incredible talent. Um, a lot of, a, a lot of what us basketball um, folks were just talking about was trust the system because you are one of the best one-on-one -on -one players that if we need a bucket, yes, we're giving you the ball and you're going to provide us that bucket. But when it comes to the system, more ball movement, more control, more, um, more playmaking, that's what we kind of wanted to see. And yes, the rumor of her coming back, she ends up playing in that game in the third quarter, 
um, after uh, Connecticut goes on that little run that they had because I think they, at that point, ran the score up to about nine points, and that's when she checked in. Um, and she had some pretty good opportunities and played, actually played within the system. I cannot argue that she didn't, um, but her shots just didn't fall. Um, and you know the history after that. Connecticut just went on a crazy run and ended, and ended up winning the series there. Um, but the the other two uh, series, of course, with Seattle and with Las Vegas, um, they both swept those series. The most important thing to kind of talk about when we're talking about the Mystics and the Storm is that the Mystics had game one in control and it slipped away. Jewel Lloyd had, um, you know, 14 of her 16 total points in the fourth quarter. Now I'm calling her um, Jewel Lloyd, the fourth quarter slayer, because <laughs> in the fourth quarter, she fourth quarters. So um, I think that because of, of that and the Mystics um, not having the offense that we thought that they that they could have in that particular series, that was one of the series where we thought could go three um, and come back to Washington. But unfortunately, it didn't because uh, Seattle just went on ahead and took care of business in game two after that second half. Um, and then, of course, we had the final uh you know, two teams with um, Phoenix and Las Vegas. And I want to do give a um, a prayer to Shea Petty. Um, she did get injured with that ruptured Achilles in that series. And I hope uh, for a speedy recovery. Um, but again, the aces were, were just too much for uh, the Phoenix Mercury. I do want to give a shout out to Kayla Davis, who had 23 points in that closeout game. Um, and she did an incredible job. Um, she was actually in the spaces um, with some folks that I that I that I know um, the couple hours prior, and we kind of <laughs> credit that performance to her talking in that spaces. <laughs> so that was uh, that was pretty cool. But yeah, the first round was was an incredible um, first round, and now we're here. Well, and you know, before we move off the Mercury, I feel like we should say like with everything that could go wrong going wrong this season like just making it to the playoffs and frankly like showing up to play with the aces i know they get kind of blown out of the water in both games but like there were plays and stretches of competitive basketball from a team that like had every reason to turn it in back in may right absolutely and so just you know hats off to them on that season uh hats off to mabry and dallas for kind of finding stuff i think they've got an interesting offseason ahead of them uh, I think the Liberty are young and have a bright future. You mentioned Marine. Obviously, they've got Sabrina. They got Nasha Howard. They got a lot of pieces there, too. Um, and the Mystics and their Atlanta Deladon thing, if they can get more more time of her on the floor next season, they might not be playing on the road in the first round, right? Um, in, in moving forward into the semifinals uh, uh, this, this week, they started this weekend, and we had big wins out of both road teams. Now, it's not quite as important in a five or best of five, with the first rounds of best of three. Um, but I will say I probably wouldn't have predicted that both road teams win. Um, so let's start with the first one, you know, in chronological order from today, Seattle beat Las Vegas to go up one, nothing in Las Vegas, a uh, very competitive game, three point game. Uh, you know, you had a couple shots down the stretch there, a couple from close range, even that like could have completely shifted this tide. Uh, before I go on too far, though, K-Dot, you're watching every minute, too. What did you see in the Vegas-Seattle game? 
Well, the the Vegas Seattle matchup today was very very interesting to me because it was the first quarter that really hosed the Las Vegas Aces, and the biggest thing um, or the biggest story that comes out of that is Asia Wilson getting two quick fouls, and you can kind of tell in the game that she did not want to be overly aggressive um, defensively because she has been um, very aggressive defensively all season long and she does have a chance to win defensive player of the year as well. Um, I, I think that that timidness of kind of making sure she doesn't catch that third foul, it gave Seattle some opportunities there. Um, but what's funny about that is Seattle missed a lot of chippies um, close <laughs> to the rim as well. And I was like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And if you were to just look at WNBA Twitter, and not pay attention to the game you would have thought the storm were up by like 15 plus points <laughs> just because of how like WNBA twitter was reacting to the actual game in in all retrospect the only quarter that the that the aces lost was the first quarter they were down 11 in the first quarter and they ended up winning the second they ended up winning the third and they tied the fourth quarter so that's one of the things that um, interests me about this game. But another thing that interests me is that the Storm were able to win without their best utility player in Gabby Williams, who's out with the concussion protocol. And Gabby is hands down their best perimeter defender. And without her, they had to show some things um, from a defensive standpoint that had to kind of adjust. So instead of um, fighting through the screens when you have Gabby Williams, they have to more so uh, stunt and, and kind of hedge a little bit harder on uh, screen and rolls. Um, off of dribble handoffs, a lot of times you've seen switches, but at this point, they really didn't switch. They played pretty much drop coverage. They, they kind of showed their hand a little bit in um, making sure that the, the aces didn't get clean shots um, from the perimeter because everybody knows that the Las Vegas Aces have a great, um, you know, have great guards who can shoot the ball. Um, but one thing that also interests me on the Aces side was they were a little bit too passive. And I mean by, I mean, what I mean by too passive, I mean Jackie Young. Um, Jackie Young has been aggressive all season long. And I think coming into this um, series, I, I don't think she was as aggressive scoring wise um, then you've seen her in, in the previous uh, playoff series and then, you know, towards the end of the regular season. So um, I think that they will clean that up a little bit. But if you're if you're Las Vegas, you're not panicking because, listen, it was just a three point loss and you had opportunities to control that game and 11 turnovers. It doesn't cut it. I mean, I believe five, like between five or six of those turnovers were um, in the second half alone um, in, in crucial moments. Um, I can remember there was a, a defensive stop and Asia Wilson passes the ball while Jackie Young and, and Chelsea Gray are together kind of, and, you know, it, it fumbles out of bounds. Yeah. And after that, I think um, Seattle hit a three at, at that point. And they end up, instead of being up one with possession, they're now down two. Um, with possession so that's one of the things that that interests me but again with Seattle getting this win without Gabby Williams I do wonder what it will look like 
when she comes back and how Vegas will respond to that. Well, I think it's interesting because with Gabby Williams out, look, look I, I love Super as much as the next guy. And I think she's had one of the best careers in the history of basketball in general, much less just the WNBA and it's 25, six years. She's also really old. And so if you're going to take Gabby Williams out, that puts a bigger defensive onus on someone like 10 years ago, Super was a pretty good defender. And obviously 15 years ago, she was a really good defender and she's just not quite there anymore, right? And they managed to survive that storm no pun intended they also you know mentioned jackie young she gets 11 points she only shot the ball she had six field goal attempts and it's like you're saying like why 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 did that happen especially when you see worse perimeter defense out of seattle than you're anticipating later um you know if i'm if i'm las vegas i won or tied every quarter asia got normal minutes in. i'm feeling all right if i'm seattle i all had to do a split we're going back home to Seattle for the next for two games here in the middle of the series. I'm feeling all right. Um, we we got to talk though about the big. You mentioned her in the first round series. Fourth quarter, Jewel took over again, <laughs> and and she hits a step back. I guess it was technically a long two over the outreached hand of Asia Wilson, but like that was a like Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality esque dagger of if I've ever seen one. <laughs> so walk us through Jewel's fourth quarter. And she was the difference in, in today's game and down the stretch. Yeah. And, and Jewel Lloyd, um, a lot of people forget how good Jewel Lloyd is because of the season that she had. It wasn't an anticipated season after signing her new contract. Um, so a lot of people expected a little bit more. But Jewel Lloyd is still Jewel Lloyd at the end of the day. And her fourth quarter performance today just reminded everyone that you just can't sleep on her. And I, I loved that, again, Coach Pokey Chapman has to get some credit because she told Jewel, listen, it doesn't matter if it's in the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter if it's in the first, second, third. Like, you're going to get your buckets. All you have to do is just continue to play. And she does that. And what's very impressive for me looking at Jewel Lloyd is that sometimes she just kind of allows the game to come to her a little bit later this year. Um, she has been incredible as a defender um, this year. And I think a lot of that uh, onus and a lot of that um, focus has been more on the defensive end because they know they need it. And when it's fourth quarter time, it's jewel time. And I, I think that because you have that, a lot of teams, they kind of sleep on that a little bit and they forget that, oh, because she didn't have her normal seven to eight points in the first, second, and third quarter, you know, in, in, in the early parts of the game, they just really kind of honestly forget. And then once, once it's fourth quarter time, then it's jewel time. So she has just done an incredible job. Um, and, and she will of course continue to do that job. Now, if I'm the aces, I'm definitely looking at that and one of the biggest things that you want to do is knock them out early <laughs> so you knock them out early then you probably won't get a fourth quarter jewel um like you saw today but at the same time you just have to make sure that jewel lloyd is scout worthy like the, the those past couple games that i've seen jewel lloyd play it's almost like she's not even in the scouting report um, in the fourth quarter. So 
you you have to make sure that she's still available because she's still arguably one of the best scorers that we have in this league. Yeah, and it was interesting. They were running uh, like a guard-to-guard screen and then Stewie... Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. For like, I couldn't really figure out what the uh, consistency was. I would pick one of the guards to go screen after mm-hmm. the guard to guard screen, and all of a sudden, in the course of that action down the stretch, there were two or three times, but obviously a notable, you know, step back jump shot where Asia Wilson has put on Jewel Lloyd. You mentioned right. defensive player of the year potential. I guess we shouldn't crown her yet, but defense right. And Jewel didn't seem to care. Like early right. in the quarter <laughs> or in the third quarter, she's hitting Stewie for a deep post up or whatever on those actions and that makes total sense but jewel didn't care in that fourth 12 for 26 points if you're looking kate out at the rest of this series um you know i guess las vegas has a couple more home games so they would have to win one in seattle seattle has the two home games in the middle of the series what are you projecting as you look forward you know when gabby comes back or does asia get to play more minutes how does this thing play out yeah so one thing is for sure is that asia wilson needs to get more, especially in the fourth quarter. And she only had one, one shot attempt in the fourth quarter. So that's an issue. And uh, another thing is when you have Kelsey Plum going eight for 23, um, there has to be some change there. It needs to be a little bit more playmaking involved. And I think that with Chelsea Gray doing what she does, she has to just continue to do what she does. Um, so the adjustment here is a more aggressive Jackie Young a less um, ambitious Kelsey Plum as far as scoring and just making plays and Asia Wilson demanding the ball in cross matches in the paint. And I think that will change um, the trajectory of what the series would look like. Seattle just have to continue to do Seattle um, things. And we've seen the win today, um, but it wasn't as um, prevalent as, as we thought Um what well, especially as what they thought they were up um, as many as 12, I believe in that game. Um, so, you know, it, it's always a game of runs and Las Vegas just has to, you know, make the adjustment. And I think they will make the adjustment and now they have to win on the road um, in order to win the series. So this, this is definitely going to be one of the series. Um, we, we thought that the series were going five and so far that's what it's looking <laughs> like. So Hopefully we see five. Yeah. You mentioned Chelsea Gray. I wanted to point out earlier and I forgot to, if, if Las Vegas had won, it would have been the like air court, the Chelsea Gray game. Like she had a phenomenal second half. Um, They didn't win. So it doesn't get put down like that, but she did have that kind of a second half. Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. 
What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big dudes in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But... You're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your bombs, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out the beard struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, the beard struggle's got all the products that you need. The beard struggle, feast your face. The late game, and I say that as recording late, uh, but the late game tonight has been Connecticut, another close game. I guess it's technically a, a two-possession game and a five-point game, but it felt close from that down the stretch. Connecticut upending Chicago in Chicago. Uh, big game out of a handful of women in Connecticut. Uh, I guess they had four players over 10 points. Obviously, Dewana Bond leading the way with 15. Um, she's a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll talk about her throughout the pod. But what did you notice in Connecticut getting a win on the road in Chicago? Defense. Defense. Um, one thing that we have to pay attention to is that Connecticut didn't win against Chicago in the regular season. They went 0-4. And I want to just kind of elaborate a little bit because I think you and I were in the spaces earlier today with um, Isis, Ice Young, um, mm-hmm. and, and SDOT, and shout out to them for having that incredible space earlier. Um, she mentioned something that was very, very interesting. She said it's very, very difficult to win seven times, um, you know, uh, against a team that you've seen already four times in in the regular season and you won against that team four times in a regular season. So there's going to be so many different wrinkles that you're going to see. And the wrinkle tonight was ball pressure and hard hedging and super blitzing from the Connecticut Sun. Every possession that you saw, um, and, and to be honest with you, I don't even think Courtney Vandersloot recorded an assist tonight. Um, and please correct me if I'm wrong. If she didn't, it was if she did, it was real, real low in in her numbers. And she's not. Sloot is one of the point guards that we have in this game. So that would that that is very, very telling um, on how incredible. Uh, Connecticut's defense was tonight um but you've seen a lot of um different type of ball action that Connecticut just disrupted and they used their length um to kind of hide Courtney Williams and Natisha Heideman um Dewana Bonner was very um pivotal on Kalia Copper Kalia Copper has one of the best first steps um off of a pivot um in 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 the game and with John Quill Jones and Alyssa Thomas on that back end of that defense, it was just so difficult for Chicago to actually get into some rhythms. So what they were able to do from an adjustment standpoint is they started using the Princeton cuts 
the back cuts off of the baseline so that they can take away from um, dribble handoff and and ball to ball action. So that's what kept Chicago in the game. But for the most part, I felt like Connecticut had a lot of control of that game the entire time. Um, so one thing that interests me um, about Connecticut is that defense and for them to have such a great defense, they still um, ended up winning that game just by two possessions. And it, it really, it really should have been one possession. Right. When you look at the the end of the game, if you will. Um, what what Kate alluding to, if you missed the game is the sky are down three, they missed the three pointer with like three seconds left and the sun kick it ahead to get the ball cleared and make a layup. It, the layup was almost like a buzzer beater. It was 65, 66, 63. And it finished at 68-63. And Candace had a shot. The shot was a good-looking shot that would have tied it at 66. Um, She finished with 19 points, 18 rebounds, six blocks, five assists, four steals. No, that's not a video game. That's just Candace Parker. But it does – like, she wants those three more points. Like, she'd trade a lot of that for three more points. Um, We can break down the look itself. What did you notice out of, like, this – heroic game out of Candace while some of her teammates you mentioned were struggling. Yeah. So Candace just really understood the assignment tonight and she ended up taking a lot of the playmaking role um, so that they can kind of not focus on Courtney Vandersloot a lot um, on ball to ball action. So she ended up taking a lot of the uh, ball handle responsibilities after she cleared, uh, you know, cleared the defensive rebound. She would bring the ball up and allow um, off uh, just off ball movement. Um, they played again. They they ran a lot of um, back cuts. They ran a lot of Princeton sets um, so that they can get the ball, um, you know, moving, you know, from from a off ball standpoint. And and Candace Parker, she was behind that. Um, she she kind of facilitated all of that and that helped in some stretches of the game because they they did end up um, I mean they didn't have big leads but they did end up going back and forth and leading by one maybe two maybe three points um, at at some point within the game Um, I believe they were up 60 to 57 um, at one point or I might have that fourth in the fourth yeah Um, so I, I, I believe that because of Candace Parker's performance um, of course, there's going to be major adjustment that's going to occur because Connecticut is notorious in overplaying a lot of uh, a lot of their um, passing lanes. Um, so I think Chicago is going to look at that and they're going to say, hey, what can we do um, for more off ball actions? Um, maybe we do some more screen rescreen actions um, so that we can, you know, get the ball movement get the ball movement a little bit more. Um, but just you have to credit Connecticut for having the game plan that they had and end up taking game one, um, knowing that James Wade had come out in a press conference saying, listen, we learned our lesson from last series. We're coming out. We're more focused than ever. We're not playing around. And it just happened to be just a great game overall. And Connecticut hit some timely buckets. Um, I felt like there were some um, instances where Chicago had a really, really good uh, defensive stop. And, you know, sometimes better offense just 
um, overpowers great defense. And yeah. that's exactly what, what happened. And um, it's just, again, more credit to Connecticut. Um, and I believe they had four players with nine plus rebounds um, tonight as well. If, if, if I saw correct. that graphic correct. um, correctly, like that's... Bonner, Bonner, Jones, Williams all had nine and then uh, Thomas at finished with 10. So like, all like fairly well spread out too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just amazing to kind of see that. And sh- Connecticut understands that this is, this is it. Um, they came out in the press conference and they said, listen, we have contracts that are expiring. This is our window. Our window is now. So it's time for us to, you know, take care of business and stop playing around and um, see if we can get this title. So they they understand what's at stake. I'm, I'm pretty sure Chicago knows what's at stake because they're trying to be the first team to go back to back since the Los Angeles Sparks in 2001 and 2002. Yeah, imagine that. And, and it's again, that's 20 years. <laughs> um, in in a in a less than 30 year, it's what 26 year old league. They're looking at something that happened in 20 years. I got a question. For, I got a couple questions for you on this one because this one intrigues me. Um, it looked very defensive minded across the board. 68, 63 tells that story too, but it was also very physical and the refs just kind of let them play. Connecticut had 11 free throws. Chicago had nine. Do you think that's how it continues? If that shifts and they start calling them more ticky tack, do you think that favors one or the other? A team going 40 minutes and shooting nine free throws, especially like Chicago, like that, that strikes me as odd. And those games happen, but that's just, I feel like, I'd see them getting the foul line more like 16, 17 times. And that's a big difference. Yeah. And, and it's funny that you mentioned that because yes, in the playoffs, a lot of the calls change. And to be honest with you, because these are both very physical teams, I don't think that is going to be too much change. Kalia Copper is one of those players who likes to get downhill and likes to draw fouls. Um, one thing that I mentioned in halftime was that I want to see Kalia Copper not only continue to do what she what she does as far as being aggressive and getting and trying to get those foul calls, but I also want to see her get back to her patented mid-range shot because I think that will um that will have some off-balance um defensive uh lapses from the the Connecticut Sun as well. But one thing about the Connecticut Sun, they pride themselves on a lot of paint touches. Alyssa Thomas. She's always in the paint. Um, you know, she has two of the uh, labrum tears in her shoulders. So she's going to be limited outside. Um, so she relies on um, getting into the paint and being very aggressive and getting to the foul line. Um, the same thing with uh, with Bree Jones and, and Dewana Bonner. They, they're always trying to find ways to get to the free throw line. And um, as far as what the, the play calling looked like tonight, I, I really don't see a lot of change. If anything, they're going to kind of um, control the the reactions behind the no calls. Um, they might be a little more strict in, in <laughs> allowing them to talk, if you will. But yeah, that I, happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I but I do believe just from an overall physical standpoint, I, I really don't see any changes um, from from calls. Um, now, if if it gets to that, I think it favors. To be honest with you, it favors Connecticut more because they're just more physical, um, and Chicago can get to a point where they like to whine a lot. And when you whine, I've I've played college i've seen it 
in professional settings, the more you whine, the uh, the the more the refs are going to ignore you. So <laughs> yeah, I think with when a, with an aggression standpoint, it, it kind of favors um, Connecticut. And not to say Connecticut doesn't whine, because I've seen I've seen players whine on, on Connecticut side too. But um, be, just because they're just more of a physical, more of a um, physical present team, um, I think that it'll it'll favor them more from a um, call standpoint. Yeah. The, the other question I'm going to ask you, and again, defense played a role in this, so I don't want to act like it didn't, but Connecticut shot three of 13 from the three-point line. Chicago shot eight of 30. Now, again, both teams played great defense tonight, so I don't mean to say that they just had, just had bad shooting nights, but some of that does feel like having a bad shooting night. Um, you know, you mentioned Vandersloot. She and Quigley both shoot the ball pretty well and want to combine one for nine between them. Um, Candace Barker went three for nine again. We talked about she wants to be four for nine after that last shot. But do you see one of those teams bouncing back or was that really just how good the defense was tonight? It was, but I do see Chicago doing more of the bounce back from three-point land because we know that Connecticut isn't necessarily a three-point shooting team or a three-point shooting threat. Natisha Hodeman is hands down one of their best three-point shooters. Of course, John Quo Jones can shoot it. Um, Odyssey Sims, who's come in and done an incredible job in, in her minutes, um, can also shoot the three. Um, and we've seen Duana Bonner, of course, um, um, launch a few from three. But they're not a three-point shooting team. They always predicate themselves on playing from the outside in. Um, and making sure that John Quo um, gets gets her uh, touches, um, which she should get more touches, I, I believe. Um, and of course, Alyssa Thomas getting into the paint. Um, when Bree Jones come in, she gets into the paint as well. Um, so I think that if we look at better three-point shooting, it's going to come from the sky. I think Emma Miesemann, um, she can take a little bit more shots from the outside. Um, of course, I think Quigley and Vandersloot, they're going to have a better shooting game. Um, once they figure out, you know, what the agenda is from a um, game plan standpoint coming into game two. Um, and I keep bringing this up, but I really would like to see some Dana Evans on minutes. It doesn't even have to be um, 10 minutes, you know, just a, a little bit of minutes to kind of change the pace of what the game would look like. Um, I think she can um, come in and, and spare Vandersloot. Um, and maybe even bring some uh, bring a three guard set in when you have Dana Evans, um, Quigley and Julie Alamon, if you're trying to spare um, some sloop minutes, um, just to see what it looks like with Dana Evans on ball pressure with uh, Natisha Hodeman um, and uh, Odyssey Sims, um, just to kind of just take a look at what that would look like and how she would be able to kind of control pace on the offensive end. Um, but one thing about Chicago is they they also understand that with um, with ball movement comes dribble penetration and opportunity for open shots. And when you have a great defensive team in um, Connecticut, you want to keep them on their heels. You want to pass the ball, continue to pass the ball um, so that they can be on their heels and and not have um, you know that one on one type um, feel because every time you play one on one. Connecticut more than likely can win that matchup. So if you have them moving and allowing uh, 
you know, women to just move away from the basket, move towards the basket, you know, just great ball movement. It'll definitely rattle um, the defense in Connecticut because they're just moving too much and you'll end up getting open shots. So I think that's going to be one of the adjustments um, that Chicago would have to make. Yeah. And, you know, I prefaced this with it a lot like the last series. If you're Connecticut, you know, you shot the ball poorly certainly not as well as you do i know they're not uh, you mentioned a, a tremendous shooting team but you get out of chicago with one win and honestly we hadn't talked a lot about it because i don't try to be negative but like john quill jones could have played better right and they still got the win if you're chicago you think about as poorly as you shot as poorly as you moved the ball you mentioned i i have vanderslew down with two assists on espn.com i, I okay. guess those are but not her normal numbers by any stretch um and you were still a great Candace Parker look away from at least tying the game up, right? Like you got to feel pretty good about yourself moving forward. If you're Chicago, you have some championship DNA, you got two more home games. You only got to win one in Connecticut. If both teams have reasons to feel good about this, what do you see happening in the rest of the series? Oh, it's going to be a great series. Um, <laughs> I, I truly believe it's going to be a great series because both teams, well, now, now you look at Connecticut and you see how focused Connecticut is especially coming out out of this win Dewana Bonner's emotion after that layup was like impeccable um and you see the fire you see how much they want it so I think that moving forward um I originally had this series going in four but the way that Connecticut play tonight I can also see this game going the full length in five as well because even though they won game one now the way that it looks um it could be a potential that Chicago not necessarily saying that they're in trouble but they have to just be more attentive in game two because of how this game was in game one very low scoring it was a Connecticut tight game you don't want that and you don't want to continue to have those type of games moving forward so you want to push pace you want to make sure that the ball is moving you don't want to um, have any stagnant offense I've always taught my um, my clients when I'm training and I've always taught my students when I'm coaching in a half court setting, if the ball continues to dribble, that means you're taking the air out of the offense. And you don't want that, especially going against Connecticut. So I think that we'll see more ball movement coming from um, Chicago. That's going to be their way of getting back into their rhythm. They have to score in that 80, um, that, that high 70, mid 80 um, type range um, for them to continue to uh, you know, move on and try to repeat as champions. So I think that's going to be the game plan moving forward. But I also believe that this can go far. Definitely. And I think what's interesting is we mentioned the spaces. I listen to space. I don't speak a whole lot in spaces, but the one we're both tuned into early, between games today. And there's something about the mental aspect as they were talking about in that, where you're like, you know, you coming into game one for sure. You're like, we beat this team four times. No matter what they draw up on the board or whatever coach says in the back of your mind, you're like, we beat these dudes four times. We'll be okay. And like, clearly we're snapped awake a little bit today. Uh, the deal is, is 
even at five game series is longer than the three game series in the first round. It's still like not long enough to like, just let one go. <laughs> so that I think that this could certainly make the series push for five. Uh, Cause you got to imagine Connecticut like, gets one of them at home. Um, even if Chicago does a thing where they come out and score 95 points in game two or whatever, like Connecticut's going to get one of the home ones. And then we could be very easily right back in Chicago for five. Um, KDOT, I, I, we can keep this going and keep doing this when we get to the WNBA finals as well. Cause I like the way we're recapping and previewing and things like that. But in the meantime, you're doing all kinds of things in WNBA. You're also a fun WNBA follow on Twitter and basketball follow more generally. We're just in the WNBA season right now, uh, but tell people where they can find you and the stuff you're doing. Yeah, so you all can follow me um, on Twitter and Instagram at k.lu3h. That's on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, again, you know, be engaged. Um, you can also follow the, the 9450 Basketball Network at the 9450. Um, and, you know, we have great content coming through. Um, we have some great breakdowns that we're going to come through with Coach Smalls and Basketball Chess, who is a part of our network as well. Um, and look for uh, some possible um, spaces where we're literally breaking down, you know, some of these plays that we've seen from from the playoffs. Um, so also look for those. But hey, you know, I'm just a your friendly neighborhood nice guy who loves <laughs> basketball. Um, and you know, shoot shoot us a follow, and you know, hopefully we can keep you guys entertained. It's a fun follow and fun. And- I really enjoyed, uh, you know, I've gotten the WNBA, into the WNBA a lot, like progressively over the last four or five years. Um, frankly, like I downloaded the app on a whim like five years ago and like just like got into it more. WNBA Twitter, what I'm getting at, WNBA Twitter is a ton of fun. Like it's way less toxic than NBA Twitter is. <laughs> and it's still like people talk of ball and like highlights and cl- it's a ton of fun. Um, and so I, I enjoy it and I'm, I'm glad we connected and keep talking WNBA basketball. It's been fun, Kate. We'll talk more again with the finals in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. And thank you for having me on again. Friends, do you feel caught up and ready for the second round and slash semifinals of the WNBA playoffs? Shout out to Kate for coming on again to help us talk more about the WNBA. He'll be our regular WNBA guest. It feels like you can find him again on Twitter at K D O T. L-E-W-3-H. That's K.Lu3-H on Twitter and Instagram. He's a great follow for WNBA and really basketball. Twitter, so make sure you go give him a follow. If you're looking for this podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports and on Twitter at FN sports two. That's F-I-N-S-B-O-R-T-S number two. On both social media handles, there's a link tree in the bio. Click on the link tree. Get to all of our sponsors. That's in the clutch.com. That's Yeti. That's Beer Chuckle, etc. All those different sponsors, our links are in that link tree, as well as links to every episode, as well as links to our merch store. Each t-shirt and hoodie and cap and mug and all the different things give money to various charitable causes. For September, we're pushing a Flunk Alzheimer's t-shirt and or hoodie, so make sure you go grab that and support a great cause. All proceeds go to the Alzheimer's Association. That's all proceeds going to the Alzheimer's Association as we continue to try to flunk Alzheimer's. If you're looking for me and my personal stuff on social media, you can find me at Painsworth512, that's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on all forms of social media. That's where I post all the things that I'm losing on sneakers. That's where I talk about my Houston Rockets, my Texas Longhorns, and the, I'm sure, disappointment I'll have throughout the fall about them. I'll be posting all those kinds of things, including things I'm recording, writing, etc. at Painsworth512, that's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Instagram, Twitter, at 
etc. If you're going to support the show for free, you can hit download, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating, give us a positive review, do all the wonderful things to help with the podcast, and whatever you do when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Oh,